The last couple of weeks, I have um, had the privilege of having some really good guests on my podcast. And so I really appreciate you listening to them. I love guests because they have stories of their own. They're not manufactured. We don't run through a script. We don't have a bunch of like, you know, interview questions. We just, we just talk, which is really where the best podcasts come from. Just a real conversation, an authentic conversation. We don't necessarily talk about authenticity, which is the theme of the podcast. We just have a real authentic conversation. Well, today I want to talk about my story just a little bit because Stories, uh, stories either become a pathway or they become a pothole to what you accomplish or want to accomplish, at least in your life. So a few months ago, I, I started a new practice. It's going to sound odd to you at first, but I started writing my autobiography. Now, I've written a few books and um, this is not an autobiography of the last 52 years of my life. It's an autobiography of the next 20 or 30 or dang, 40, 50. Who knows how long I'll live. But I started writing down what I want my story to look like. I guess a better word for that is a legacy. If I get to choose, and I do, in so many ways, if I get to choose the story of my life, the legacy of my life and what I'm going to leave behind and what people are going to remember, I want to write it. I want to write it now, which again, might seem like that's crazy, man. You can't, you can't plan that. Can't you? I'm wondering if you actually can. That doesn't mean things aren't going to happen in your story uh, that you can't control. But there are parts you can control because the story, again, creates a path or a plan that you can at least follow because you know that's what you want to accomplish. And so you're going to make some different decisions. So think about it with me and just consider for a second, how would you write your story? If you could write your autobiography like I'm doing, I started out on a program on my iPad and then I switched to like, handwriting it because when I handwrite things, I slow down. I think more. So do you, if you're not in the habit of like writing or journaling, it's amazing. Um, very cathartic learning experience. You, you should try it. It's not hard to write a story because we are all storytellers. We've been storytellers for millennia. I mean, long before the written word were, campfires and bonfires and people sitting down at night under the stars and sharing what the day looked like, sharing stories of the past, sharing stories of last week or last year or the last generation. And so stories engage us. We all love a good story. The question is, what story are you telling yourself today? What am I storying today? And what stories am I believing? Because I have a whole mind full of crazy stories. Some I make up, some I remember. I've been reading a book on stories lately, and I love books that 
agree with me. Uh, not, not that I just need affirmed or patted on the back, but I love books and authors who have an idea that I've considered for a really long time and um, affirm it, but then challenge it, take it further. I've been learning a ton from an author named Kendra Hall. And she's got an amazing book. I really encourage you to go to my show notes and um, click the link. It's a book called Choose Your Story, Change Your Life. I blogged on it uh, this week as well. So I've written about that just a little bit. So if you want to click on that link in the show notes, you can too. Read my blog by Kendra Hall's book. And from her book, in the last couple of weeks, I have been considering simple sound bites and ways that I can communicate some things to my listeners and followers to challenge them about their life, their story, their legacy, the direction they're going. This morning, actually, about six in the morning, I created a meme on Canva that said, start telling yourself a different story with a better ending. Start telling yourself a different story with a better ending because some of your stories, sorry, they suck. They're just, they are negative. They are exhausting to listen to. I know because I tell myself some of those same stupid stories. It doesn't mean your story's not true. It doesn't mean it's not real. I mean, as soon as I posted that meme this morning, a follower on Facebook replied and said, quote, I have recently, although my story is a very real one. I hear his heart. I really do hear his heart. I actually know the man and I know his story. And I know that it's easy to get stuck in a story like his. So I wrote back and I just said, real doesn't mean it has control over your life. Unless you give it control, right? Just because it's true doesn't mean you have to give it like complete control of your life. Because what I know about stories is that many of them, although they may be real, they really might have happened. When you hold on to them, you preserve the illusion. And again, just because it's real doesn't mean it's not an illusion. It's like magic, right? I watch a magician or illusionist on a stage. Like I love magic on America's Got Talent. It's like my favorite part of it. And I'm always mesmerized. Like, wow, the heck did they do that? And as I watch it, I know because people go, oh, I believe in magic. Simon Cowles goes, I believe in magic. Well, you're, you're a nitwit. I don't believe in magic. I believe in great illusionists. And I believe a lot of the stories that we listen to in our mind that we tell ourselves, even if they did really happen, we keep the magic or the illusion alive by pretending it can't be changed. And so I wrote about that, like I said, in my blog this week. And it was fun because just um, a few days ago, I got a text from a middle school friend um, that I have amazing memories of. I saw him a couple years ago. I'm planning on driving to Chicago and having a beer with him pretty soon. We're just a couple hours both from there. And um, at the end of his text to me, string of text, we talked for a long time. We texted for a long time. He just asked a simple question. 
Have we given up on the idea or the dream of being cowboys and ranchers someday? Or is that dead? Now, that's a fun sixth grade, fifth grade, seventh grade dream. Uh, some of you dreamed about being something. Maybe it wasn't a cowboy, but I love cowboys. You know, I love Matt Dillon and Gunsmoke, and I love the Lone Ranger. And, you know, there's just something cool about horses. And I've never had a horse growing up. My friends had horses. And so I thought about that. I thought about playing tag in the winter on the back of a horse, riding through the snow, four or five of us on my friend's farm with their horses. That was fun. I bought a horse one time, and um, the horse's name was Kissy. Uh, she was a head case. I didn't know anything about horses. I should have never bought a horse. My brother bought a horse, and so I decided I should buy a horse too, which made my wife really happy when we lost like a couple thousand bucks, and that's an understatement. But I've got these stories about horses that still run through or gallop through through my head. And so as I thought about his story and his question to me this week, are we going to be cowboys and ranchers? I was reminded, because I just let that story play on, I was reminded of a lot of childhood memories, childhood friends that, yeah, I left behind. We moved and I left them behind. And um, those stories, those memories helped replace some of the other childhood memories from the same era of my life. Stories about being the new kid, having to fit in, having to make friends, which sometimes people just get stuck there. Like I'm the new kid and they never get out of the idea of being the new kid. They're always um, struggling to understand their identity because they're trying to figure out their identity because if I can't be who you want me to be, then you're not going to be my friend. And I really need friends because I need companionship. And so I'm going to be whatever it takes. I was that kid too. So my friendships helped me though, this morning, at least or in the last couple of days, think about not being the new kid to fit into a new environment, but the friends that I really made. And so, like I said, then we moved again, which is fine. A lot of people move and I didn't always do well moving. It took me a while to adjust. And I thought of a story this morning as I was driving in my car that I recall once in a while, but not very often. I was 14 and we moved to a new community and a new school and I knew I knew nobody. And so my first entry into this culture was freshman football. Now, the guys that I was playing football with, they grew up playing middle school or junior high football. They knew all the plays. They were working on the same playbook that our high school varsity played on since like seventh and eighth grade. So I show up and the only football that I've played is like in my backyard with people. And I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I was fast. That's cool. I wasn't really strong. And I didn't, I mean, I just looked like clumsy. I have no idea what like the calls meant and the plays meant and how to run them. And these guys just knew what the heck they were supposed to do. That's not a big deal. The big deal is that I remember standing in the shower. This is a time in life when kids actually showered naked. For those of you who are listening, you wonder, you know, kids shower naked. Yeah, we used to shower naked. Some of you used to shower naked. Didn't kill us. Oh, my goodness. You know, dang, 
Learned a lot of lessons naked in the shower. Well, that sounds really bad. One of them, which really changed the course of at least my freshman year, I'm showering, which is now more information than you really want to hear. I'm showering with a bunch of guys in a communal shower. And as I'm standing there with soap in my eyes and rinsing my hair and my eyes shut, I can sense a presence next to me. And it's awkward. It's really close. It's not like just the guy like two feet away in the other shower head bathing. There's somebody like right next to me. And so as I open my eyes, get the soap out of my eyes, this guy is peeing on me. He's standing there peeing on me. And he then begins to laugh as I open my eyes and people are laughing. Now, that, I'll tell you what. The five foot seven hundred and forty five pound freshman kid, this guy had no idea that a little kid, the new kid, had the ability to cold clock him in the shower and knock his six foot two, two hundred pound butt on the floor. You don't stand there and pee on me. Now I could have been stuck in that story. That's humiliating. That's him that's embarrassing. You know, I hope no one's ever like peed on you. Like my kids, when they were like in diapers, like they peed on me all the time, but that's, that's not what I'm talking about. You know what? And as I thought about that story this morning, driving in my car, I was reminded not of the humiliation because I could tell myself that story over and over and over. And I could believe that illusion and I could let that actually hijack my life. But I was reminded that that moment was a turning point. For me, that was a moment when you knew not to mess with the new kid, but it's not about just being the new kid being tough and I could like, you know, knock you out because you weren't paying attention. What it's about is that I gained a lot of confidence because I learned how to stand up for myself. That's a story I'm going to try to remember because there's days that I don't have a lot of confidence and I need to find a story deep down where I remember there was a moment And I've got lots of those stories, more stories than sometimes I do remember. And I've got to dig deep, find them. You know, as I was preparing for this podcast and really what I wanted to share with you about stories, I thought about the many times in the stories of my life where I gave up. I get about 90% done with a project or a venture. Just about the time I'm really to tip the scales and really be successful, I walk away. I abandon it. I've not yet quite figured that out. Somebody out there with like, you know, smarter than me, psychology degree or something's going to tell me here's why it is. Feel free to, you know, feel free to email me because I'm still working on that one. And so I thought about times like giving up. Other times I thought about I really knuckled down and I tried to do something big, probably bigger than I should have. It was in the late 90s that I had this crazy idea that I was going to rent Cedar Point Amusement Park. Now, if you're not familiar with Cedar Point Amusement Park, it's in Ohio. It's like a Six Flags. It's massive. It's on Lake Erie, and it's cool, and we love to go there as kids. We grew up in Michigan or Ohio or wherever. That was the closest one. And so I decided to, to rent it a fairly expensive uh, venture. 
And not only would I rent it, I would hire about six bands and uh, I would do this special event and I would invite thousands of kids to it. And um, holy crap, that was a failure. I mean, yeah, thousands of kids showed up, but not enough kids to not leave me in like $75,000 worth of debt. I could remember that story. That was a story of failure, or it could be a story of failure. Fast forward a couple of years, and I must not have learned my lesson because then I decided that we're going to basically rent Copper Mountain Ski Resort in Colorado. And so we'd do the same thing. We would hire a few bands, and we would invite thousands of people, and we needed X amount to break even, and holy cow. I was just recovering from the last financial, you know, fiasco. Did it again. Not quite as much money, but costly. Now, I could be trapped, or I could have been trapped, in those financial failures. Like, gee whiz, you moron, don't do it again. Don't do it again. Don't do it again. Instead, the story I tell myself is, remember the lessons you learned and the courage you had to try new things. The story of taking risks. The story of putting yourself out there and not like shying back or retreating from opportunities that could really turn out to be successful. Now, I, I, I probably made bigger blunders, but I've also had lots of small micro successes by taking risks, putting my court, my courage to play in my mind, in your mind, there is filed like a filing cabinet, like a catalog of stories. Some of them are completely self-defeating. Some of them you did. Some of them happened to you. Like my Facebook friend. I know they're real. I am not discounting them. Please do not hear me say that at all. Some of them have really caused some serious damage to your life. Some of you have probably went through like all kinds of therapy for them. Some of you have buried them so deep that you don't even know they're there anymore. And about the time you unpack them, it's going to paralyze you. But they have to come out because your stories can either control you or you can control your stories. So, yeah. In the recesses of my mind, packed in there tight, there are lots of self-defeating stories. I know what they are. I've been, you know, writing them down a lot lately. But you know what I've been finding? That tucked in between those files, there's other stories. There's other stories that I completely forgot about. Or it can be the exact same self-defeating story, but if I look at it from a different point of view or different perspective, it's an empowering story. I mean, that's what we've got in the catalog of our mind, but they're tucked in our brain. So how do we retrain our brain to tell ourselves different stories, which literally then is circumventing the circuitry in our mind and trenching a new path to a completely different truth? Because you can circumvent the circuitry in your brain. You can retrain your brain. You can dig a new trench to a different truth. Or you can let stories continue to kick your butt. Stories that are peeing on you. I've been reading some amazing books for years, and I've been rereading a couple lately by Dr. Caroline Leaf. 
and Dr. Daniel Amen. And I'm picking up a book this week by Dr. Andrew Huberman, all who talk about neurological changes that can absolutely be made. You can retrain your brain. It's a, it's a science that is being investigated now, probably more than I've ever seen in, in my lifetime. And I think we're only on the grass roads or the, the, the gravel road of being able to figure out really how much change we can actually make and we can retrain our brain to learn something new, to believe something new. But you can't until you begin to unpack some stories, which, like I've said, can be a very painful progress or process. So here's what I've done. And maybe this will help you if this is resonating at all. Why don't you start by making a list of stories? That's what I'm doing. I'm making a list of stories in my journal. I'm writing them down by hand. Stories that, if I'm not careful, I allow them to creep in. They pop in on their own. It's like a bah, surprise, right? They don't. You don't even have to. Um, you don't have to consciously think about them. They just like. Man, there's a trigger and boom, there's a story. And those stories can sabotage you. But it's like anything else. You've got to deal with it. So I've quoted Dr. Phil McGraw many times. In my last book, Alone Sucks, I did the same thing. You can't fix what you don't admit. That's kind of like what we're talking about in this story, with stories. Until you deal with them, you know, you can't defeat them. But as you're writing down stories of the past, again, stories that maybe someone else did to you, stories that you overcame, stories when someone believed in you. As you're writing down the negative stories, write those stories too. Sometime when you like overcame an issue, overcame a problem, where you were victorious over something, even if it's just a small victory, write it down. If someone just said something kind about you yesterday and picked you up when you were feeling like low, write it down. When you write it down, you remember it. And sometimes that's why we forget. We don't sit around campfires and tell stories anymore. We turn on the TV and we watch somebody else's story. Isn't that sad, kind of? We just let somebody else amuse us. You know the word amuse means? It means to not think. We're amusing ourselves to death. That's what we're doing. We're not thinking. We're not recalling. We're not remembering. We're not telling better stories. Here's my challenge to you to consider as I wrap up this episode. Write the autobiography of your life. I've been having a blast doing it. I haven't changed anything yet. So I may go back and change it. I might have edited a couple of things, but I'm not changing it. And um, it's getting better. It's getting better all the time. I write a page. And then the next day, I kind of write the same stuff in a better way. And um, I'm believing it. And not only am I believing it, it's becoming a path to decisions I'm making to make it happen. I've got dreams and stories about my legacy for my life, for my wife, for my sons, for my daughter. I've got financial dreams that are part of my story that are going to require decisions in order to get them. If I don't write them down, I don't create 
a strategy because that's what a story can be a strategy we can follow. So here's my encouragement. Start telling yourself a different story with a better ending. Thanks for listening.